I know at times, I know what Jesus is teaching us as a community. Other times I don't know. But we've been, we've been hanging out in Mark's story, and we are in chapter 4. And that whole chapter is devoted to listening. So this morning, we're going to listen to a, a kingdom parable. And I want to remind you, it's, it's all, to, I mean, sometimes it doesn't come together, sometimes it does. But we started this year with this prayer. We believe this is a prayer that we want to pray on a regular basis. We're asking God to fill us with the knowledge of what He wants in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, which really means we want to commune with God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and we want to listen for Him to tell us what He wants. And once we understand what, what he wants, then this will mean that we'll be able to conduct ourselves in a manner that's worthy of the Lord and we'll give him real delight. Hey, that community of people, those ordinary folk, they, just, they listen to me and look, they're actually doing what I want them to do. And that gives God real delight as we bear fruit. So then we're, we're producing the fruit of his kingdom based upon what he wants in every good work. And we grow up, we mature in our faith, in the knowledge of relationship with God. And we pray that as that process is going, that we'll be given all possible strength so that we can keep up with what God wants. He's always going to be ahead of us. He's always going to ask us to do more than we can. He's he's always going to ask us to fund stuff that we can't fund. I mean, it's just, that's just a reality and so we ask, oh, give us strength according to the power of your glory, which is the power of your resurrection. That's a lot of power. So that we'll have complete patience as we wait for God to unfold what he's doing through our community. And we become truly steadfast to what God wants and enjoy the journey. Joyful. That's an awesome prayer based upon listening Two weeks ago, I encouraged our community to increase our capacity to listen. And I, and I wanted us to measure, measure your capacity for listening by the minutes you listen either to God or to one another without interrupting. And I mean, not just on the outside, but also in your head. I mean, so many times I'm having a conversation and I'm formulating my, my reply and I'm not really listening to you. You ever had that? It's kind of like... I don't think that's really what I was talking about, but nice reply. So that's one way to to measure your capacity. The other is measure the capacity for listening by learning to be an active listener, which just simply means, you know, take, take a breath. I think you just said this. Is this what you said? Yeah, that's what I said. So you just reflect back what a person is saying that then that's active listening. Measure. Your capacity of listening, asking open-ended questions, which leads to more listening. An open-ended question is a question that does not require a yes or a no. It's a more. Tell me more. I want to hear more. That's active listening. That's a way to measure your capacity. And then the other one, they increase our capacity because I think most of us have really busy heads. And it's really, I think it's hard for us to listen So there's some spiritual exercises which are called silence and solitude that we can practice. And as as we practice that, then we we can spend more time. I mean, our leaders spent 
six hours alone with Jesus or something. That's a long time. We didn't, we didn't just, we didn't just, I mean, you don't, you got to work up to that. You can't just, okay, I'm going to say, I'd, I'd just suggest start with three minutes and work up. But you practice, practice, practice. So we're going to keep that, we're going to practice today. But as we start, again, I, I want to try to catch you, I want you to catch the flow of where Mark is. And one of the things you can do is you, you can be reading Mark while we go through Mark. You know, if you don't have a place that you're reading in your Bible right now and asking questions and listening, Mark would be a great place to be because that's where we are. Susan's way ahead of us. I, have, I want you to know. She's like in Mark 12. She's always ahead of me, so I, I don't know. But, but this story really, it, it comes with this statement that Jesus makes in the first chapter. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in gospel. Believe in good news. Now, if we were Greek speakers, when we read for the first time, the time is fulfilled, this is what would be going off in our head. It would be like this alarm that statement would have arrested our attention. We somewhat kind of yawned through it. But let me try to, let, let me try to bring the urgency of what's happening in that statement. The faithful and decisive, it's a faithful and decisive point that Mark is trying to bring to us with strong, though not always explicit, emphasis on the fact It is ordained by God. This moment in history when Jesus speaks these words is ordained, commissioned. This is God stepping into human history. The fact that this time is now present as God's gift is fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy as the first startling declaration of the gospel of Jesus. My friends... The Old Testament finds fulfillment in Jesus the moment he says the time is fulfilled. It's a startling declaration. Wonga, 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 wonga. Thus, the seriousness of decision already present in the Greek concept of time so the moment that time is mentioned, the Greek thinker, speaker would have, I got to make a decision. This is really important. The, the alarm, you know, when your alarm goes off, you got to make a decision, don't you? You got three. Turn it off. Two, push the snooze. Three, get up. An alarm makes you make a decision. That's what you've got to make a decision. And and what Jesus follows the time is fulfilled with is the kingdom of God has has come near. I mean, it's so near you can actually enter it is what we'll learn. So you've got to change your mind. You have to repent. That's the decision. You have to repent. Change your mind about the timeline. Change your mind about Messiah, about King. Change your mind about what the rule of God is. 
Because everybody that was listening to Jesus had concepts. And he's saying, you're going to have to change those because this is really different. And believe, believe the good news, God's rule is returning to planet Earth. If you think about the whole story of the Bible, from Adam and Eve up to the time of this announcement, humanity lived in rebellion against God's rule. Pure and simple. Old Testament is a, is a story of God. Well, let's see if we can legislate the rebellion. It didn't work. Can't legislate rebellion. Something has to find. Something has to change inside. So what? What the response is meant to to be positive? Yes, finally, that kingdom's arrived. God's rules arrived. Things are going to be set right. Yes, that's awesome. So Jesus gets busy. From this moment of making this announcement, he begins to announce the kingdom by teaching. He goes to the synagogues. Again, they have all these ideas about who the Messiah is, what the timing is, what the kingdom is, and he's correcting that. And then, lo and behold, he, he, he announces the kingdom by powerful demonstration because as he's announcing the kingdom, uh, people start manifesting demons right there in the synagogue. He has to deal with those. and He heals the sick. He's setting things right on the earth. Then he announces the kingdom by recruiting others. I'm going, to, I'm, now, I'm going to now empower you to make this announcement and to demonstrate this announcement. And then, then we shift gears to parables. And I want you to, just to appreciate within Mark's story, the reason Jesus shifts gears in his teaching and goes to parables is because, one, his family was not listening. His family had concluded, you, you are not who you think you are. You're, I mean, you're going around, people think you're a Messiah. We think that you are mentally off. You're emotionally imbalanced. You need to come home. We need to take care of you. You need to check in. And then the religious leaders were not listening. Because as they watched Jesus deal with demons, they concluded, well, you know, he, he only does that by the power of the devil. Don't you know that? So they're saying that Jesus is full of the devil and he's casting out demons by the power of the devil. And Jesus goes, whoa, time out. Man, you are not listening because if you cannot discern the difference between the Holy Spirit working through me, setting people free from the devil, come on. The consequences of that are really severe. So the parables, are, they're, not, they're not meant to make it harder for people to hear and respond positively to the announcement of the kingdom. But it's really, he's really hoping, appealing for a positive response, repentance and belief of the good news. And he's trying to help people avoid some really negative consequences for failing to discern the time of Messiah's arrival. So that brings us up to where we are today in Mark chapter 4, 33 to 34. This is a summary of the chapter up to this date. With many such parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. As they were able to hear it. Throughout this chapter. Jesus has repeated. 
Let anyone with ears to hear, listen. And we'd all say, well, Jesus, how many people in the crowd didn't have ears? I mean, everybody in the crowd. I mean, everybody here this, this morning has ears, right? Nobody's missing an ear, right? And so there they are. But these ears, we can, we can use these ears to hear or we can use these ears not to hear, right? And so when Jesus talks about as they were able to hear, the nuance of that is something like this. Jesus, we like what you're saying about yourself, about this, this new timeline, about the kingdom. And because your words are pleasant to us, we're listening, so tell us more. But then those who had ears, but not ears that were hearing, like his family, like the religious leaders, their nuance would have been, we, we don't like what you're saying. It, the example would be like in John 6, when Jesus talks about his blood and his flesh, and they say, well, this is, this is difficult. This is, this is unpleasant, again, is the, the nuance. Nobody's going to like this. Your message is unpleasant to us, so we're, we're just not, not going to listen. And then there are those that do listen. And Jesus explains and interprets his word in private. Man, I cannot think of a better encouragement for us to spend time with Jesus alone and in small groups listening for him to explain and to interpret his word. And I would just, that, that is a, that's a huge part of the adventure that we're on. I'm so thankful that we have a Bible that we can open up, and I'm so thankful for the times we, I don't understand it. I don't know what that means. Or in a group, we don't know what that means. And so then our default can be, well, Jesus, we believe that you speak. Holy Spirit, you're the teacher. So would you please, as we listen, bring explanation, bring interpretation to what this means. That's, wow. So with all of that happening, it's now time to put it into practice. Okay? Now, the way we're going to practice this is this is a parable of the growing seed. It's, it's a parable of the kingdom. And I'm going to read it out loud. And then we're going to take, we're going to sit still for two minutes. And this time, last time I said that, Steve said, well, that was 30 seconds. Well, I get nervous, you know. I know that you get nervous if we're sitting too long in silence. So I'm going to set my favorite little timer for two minutes. And after I read it, I'm going to push start. And I just want us to listen. And I want I, you can re, you can reread this as many times as you want, or you can just start asking Jesus for questions and just just start listening. What? And then I'm going to ask some questions after that, and we'll we can talk. Okay? So you ready? Up for the challenge? <laughs> Two minutes. Whoa. The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground, 
and would sleep and rise night and day. And the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle because the harvest has come. Good job. That wasn't too bad, was it? So, first question. What's the subject of the story? Okay. Grain, seed, kingdom. Yeah. It's a story about the kingdom... The kingdom of God is like. So what is the kingdom of God like? What are, what are the similes? What can we learn about the kingdom from the story? Remember, parables are simple stories. They're profound, but it's not like they're, there's not revealing great mysteries here. So just stay with the obvious. Once, once it's in the ground, it takes time for it to grow. Okay. And don't know how it grows. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's something, there's something on the planet that causes the kingdom to grow. Connor. Okay, with time, it spreads on its own. We had grain over here. You know, you've got to sow it. 
You've got to sow the seed, but then it starts growing. Great. Just encouragement. Be very similar. I, just, I had more time to think about it, so I'll just bring a little bit more. The kingdom of God is sown on the earth in this present age. The New Testament define, defines time as this present age and the age to come. So in this present age in which we live from the time of the resurrection until the time of Jesus' return, the kingdom of God is sown on the earth in this present age by those who announce its arrival and ask others to follow Jesus, the king. That's how the seeds are scattered on the earth in this present age. And the kingdom then begins to grow daily throughout this age And we do not know how. God is the one that causes growth. As long as we're sowing the seeds, the growth will come. But we're not going to come up with the ten steps that make the kingdom grow. And the seeds of the kingdom sown produce a harvest. Then we really shift gears to another simile. Harvest is a simile of the eschatological decision of God. Don't get thrown off by that. Basically, it's just, just saying the harvest is something that in, is something of the future. God's already made a decision. There will be an end to this. So something of the future... This verse in Matthew, the harvest is at the end of the age. So at the end of this present age, there will be a harvest. And God's already determined that. But at the same time that there's a future, a not yet, the distinctive feature of the New Testament proclamation is that this hour of decision is regarded as imminent. So, Matthew 9, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. So the harvest is now and the, the harvest is later. So there is this already not yet of the kingdom. And, and sadly, theology hates things that are illogical. Theology tries to be philosophical. When it tries to be philosophical, it misses the point. This is antinomy. It seems to be a contradiction. But the New Testament is, is full of both and. And we have to live with that tension. And that tension requires that we live in relationship with God. Oh, we don't understand this at all. And we have to live in conversation with each other. And the figure carries with it both threat and promise. At harvest time, I will tell the reapers, collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. Matthew 13. And finally, the figure of the harvest impels human beings to decision by showing what will be a consequence of their actions. So again, remember we started with the time. The time is fulfilled, impelling us to decide. The harvest is totally consistent. This this figure of the, the harvest compels us to make a decision now. Don't wait. Don't put it off. The alarm, you've got to do it now. In that moment, when it says, that makes sense, do it. So it really leads to this time of decision. 
So what Jesus started with would remain with us. We, we have to repent. The meaning of repentance in that context is we've got to change our mind. We have to change our theology. We have to change our philosophy. We have to change our timeline. We have to change our mind about how this is working out in time. We have to change our mind about Jesus being king. We have to change our mind about the kingdom has arrived. It's already arrived. The fullness we're waiting for, but it's already... And we've got to change our mind. And then the next decision is to believe it. And to believe this gospel. This is the good news. And in spite of what doesn't seem to be good news, in spite of what seems to be a time where things are crazy and out of control, to believe that the kingdom of God has been planted on the earth, His government will not cease growing. It's already started. And the decision then is, repent, believe, follow Jesus. Follow the King then as we follow the king, we want to sow the seeds of the kingdom daily by announcing the arrival of the kingdom and inviting others to follow Jesus with us. I mean, how many days go by that somebody doesn't show up in our life just yang, 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 negative, 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 negative. Most of the time, every day, I will have somebody just ragging on how bad things are. That is an opportunity for me to say, you know, I don't deny that. But you know, with that, there's a God that has stepped into human history to change that. And he's at work. His kingdom has arrived. There's a God setting things right. And he wants you to follow him. And start joining him in setting things right. We have opportunity every day to plant that seed. In these conversations. My tendency is either to be silent, which means I'm agreeing. Or sometimes I join in. Yeah, you're right. It just stinks. We need to ask the Lord of the harvest for more workers. Not just for our kids. <laughs> there is a harvest. Jesus said, look, 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 open up your eyes. There is a harvest of souls all around us. And when you, when you ask the Lord of the harvest for more workers, guess what? Somehow he turns it around and says, that's right. <laughs> you are now that worker. And so you want to join. We want to join in the imminent harvest as a harvest hand. And it reminded me, one of my greatest joys ever in the years of ministry go like all the way back to my, maybe my fourth year in ministry. I was in Young Life, I was in Austin, and there's this young high school gal named Ruby. And Ruby started following Jesus. And Ruby, she, Ruby started reading her Bible. And every time I ran into Ruby, she had a new question about the Bible. What does this mean? And for the year that I was around Ruby, that never stopped. And I want to tell you, that when you join the imminent harvest as a harvest hand, it's like, one of the, it's like one of the most rewarding things that can happen in our lives. Somebody coming to know Jesus for the very first time and you being in their life, answering their questions as they discover, wow, I never knew. Oh, wow, 
What does that mean? I don't, you get to say, I don't know, but, you know, we can kind of look at it together. So I would just leave that as a point of decision just to try to, you know, who's the ruby in your life? You know, and there's a, there's a meaning there. <laughs> who's, who's, who's that jewel in your life that really makes your following of Jesus make sense? If, if, we're, not, if we're not inviting others to follow us, we can lose our bearings really quickly. So what will be your decision today? The alarm clock is going off, as annoying as it is. What decision would you make today? Look at those. Maybe, maybe there's nothing on that list. Maybe it's, I've already made those decisions. And maybe there's things not on that list. But what would you decide today? What is the Holy Spirit asking you to decide today? I just want to give you a moment. Just to hear what it is. As long as your ears are listening. What would you say yes to? (laughs) This is about saying yes What would you say yes to? Holy Spirit, I thank you that you bring us really almost every week to a place of decision. And I thank you that you're inviting us to take a step forward. And I pray for each of us and I pray for all of us that our answer would be, yes, Lord. We decide this. I ask, Lord, that we would walk from this time together and with you and that you would direct our path (laughs) into participating in, in the growth of your kingdom today. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may want to, as we say goodbye together, you may want to share with one other human being in the room, you know, this, this is what I think I decided to do today. Sometimes when we don't keep that secret, it helps us move forward. So you might want to bend somebody's ear as we say farewell. Don't forget your children. Uh, we don't know what to do with them other than hug them when they're here. And thanks for our time together.